Hi, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Kirby Method Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And with me today, I'm very excited to talk to Carrie Nola. Carrie is often referred to as the queen of abundance or the shadow mama by her clients. Carrie's superpower is illuminating healers' gifts by helping them harmonize structure and flow. After over a decade of growing a prosperous practice as a licensed psychotherapist, she retired and expanded her work into the realms of best-selling author, podcaster, and founder of the Abundance Activator for Healing Entrepreneurs. Today, she has a global business mentoring healers as they transmute the energies of fear and doubt, step into their power, and serve abundantly. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks for having me, Alice. So excited to be here. Likewise. I'm really glad you're here, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you. And I loved just reading your bio and I've read it before, but it was fun to read it out loud (laughs) because I'm so curious about your work and about the path you took into from starting off as a psychotherapist and into really shifting to working with other therapists and other healers to help them, you know, it sounds like move through their own blocks around, you know, success, money, whatever may be holding them back. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that transition, what prompted you to go into psychotherapy in the first place, and then how that evolved for you? Absolutely. I feel like I didn't have a lot of choice in the matter. Of course, we have choice in all of it, but I felt like it was more soul-led, like my soul chose these things before I came here, and I'm just kept being caught up to speed on the whole thing. Since I was really young, I always tell the story that I used to, do you remember the show, uh, like, Operator 911, or what was that? I don't know. It's a show where it was like emergencies. They call in, and like the so they, I used to sit at the table and say, 911, what's your emergency? And I always knew that I was going to help, but I didn't know what capacity that helping would take. And as I went to school, I thought maybe I'd be a teacher. And as I learned what therapy was, it just felt like what I was here for. So I went to school and couldn't wait to get that paper in my hands that said I was qualified to do the thing and really quickly built a very meaningful practice that turned quite naturally into a focus on trauma and particularly sexual trauma and was doing all the things I learned in school, the more traditional modalities, but found that I would find a lot of resistance or stuck points. So began going beyond my traditional training toward more energy work and holistic, intuitive, you know, indigenous forms of healing. And as I was growing my practice, a lot of other practitioners would come and ask me, how I was experiencing my success. And I would share that with them and realize that there was really something to this. Like we weren't trained as healers how to run a business, or it was like our option was to get out and go into a system. And many of us didn't want to do that. We wanted to be on our own and have freedom to practice in ways that were operating outside of those traditional spaces and places. So I started doing that on the side of my practice and actually became quite um, physically ill at some point around 2016, back pain and unexplainable just sensations and heart palpitations and no traditional field or doctor could 
find anything that was going on. And I realized it was really more of a spiritual crisis that this was my body's way of saying there's something more. And I felt like I was dying, but I realized it wasn't a physical death. It was more a metaphoric death. Yes, this season of life is ending. It's dying. It's time for a change. And it took me a a little while to really hear that and let the change happen because I was terrified. And truthfully, I loved being a therapist and I was good at it and I adored it. And I always said like, I'll do this until I'm old and gray. They'll have to wheel me out of here. I just never saw a day when I wouldn't be doing that. And God, the universe, the divine had other plans. And as soon as I answered them, life got a lot easier. I ended up closing my practice and making a cross-country move to California from Florida and began helping healers and helpers full-time. Wow. Haven't really looked back since. (laughs) That was 2017. And here we are in almost 2024. Wow. Thanks for sharing your story. It definitely sounds like you you have an innate gift for this kind mm-hmm. of work um, and for the very specific w- way of helping that you are helping. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. And it's I love when, I mean, I don't love when people tell me that they went through an illness or their body didn't feel good, but I do love the power of the body to let us know when we need to make a change or when something's wrong or we need to sit up and pay attention. Yeah. And so it's just so fascinating that it doesn't even necessarily have to be anything that makes sense right off the bat, that our bodies can rise up with whatever uh, sensations or symptoms that they've, that they're going to. And then our job is to really listen and be curious and do some investigation, of course, medical or otherwise, but to listen on deeper levels than just the Western medical model, which of course it's great. I'm glad we have it. And to know that there's more, more than just that and to, to sink into the multiple layers of of the wisdom of our bodies. I feel like we're so aligned on that front and really understanding that the body does have wisdom and it's not just, oh, symptom, quiet that down with a pill. Yeah. There's a time and place for those resources. And I think in partnership with deep listening, as you're naming it's just, it's priceless because there's so much information that's constantly being uh, given to us and we're not always accurately deciphering it. So it keeps knocking, it keeps sharing louder and louder until we finally ding, 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 there it is. That's it. (laughs) Okay, I listened enough. Yes. Do you feel like you're, and I feel like it, it must have, but do you feel like your work in exploring more intuitive and indigenous practices helped you to be able to listen to your soul and your body when that transition was happening for you? Absolutely. Because before that time, I was so connected to my mind, which I've discovered since that time is so limited, right? It's really ruled by the ego, by survival mechanism, by pattern and programming. And until I felt beneath that layer into my cells and my spirit and my body, it was like I could touch a layer of truth that just wasn't accessible in the mind alone. Mm-hmm. And like, I thought I was touching intuition, but really I was touching fear and ego masquerading as truth and intuition. And I was really able to learn how my body communicates when it's afraid and how it communicates when I'm in that wiser, higher sense of self and that state of awareness. Yeah, such valuable information. Yeah, priceless really. Completely. <laughs> you took the word. 
Yeah. And truly, I mean, I'll just kind of go on my soapbox for a minute, but like truly like our birthright as humans to have that deep sense of intuition and to be able to really lean in and trust our bodies, you know, and I think it's, it's not what we're taught in the, in the Western culture. And so it can feel so new and, and foreign for folks, but it really is. And I like to say this, I like to say this whenever it's somewhat appropriate, like it is our birthright, you know, and we all have the innate ability. We're all intuitive creatures and it's just, you know, whatever we need to, to do or to not do, you know, sometimes it's more about the being to really come into to more contact with that. Absolutely. And if we're not in our body, it's really hard to touch those places. I mean, you can't see through the illusion. Oftentimes the illusion isn't visible with the physical eye. We have to feel it. We have to sense it and know it. And that embodied practice is what allows us to do that because um, there's a lot of systems and structures that it doesn't really serve for us to know more and see more. <laughs> so yeah. um, as yes. we wake up, we're able to dismantle systems that are built on things that are out of integrity and we're able to step into, like you said, our birthright and that birthright, the more of us living from that place, the more humanity awakens and has, you know, a better experience of our time here. Yeah, definitely. Were there any practices, would you mind sharing about some of the the practices that you were diving into at that time that were when you were practicing as a psychotherapist? I'm just always curious when people mention different, you know, intuitive work or energy work and bringing these multiple things in, would you mind sharing any that you found particularly profound for you or, or helpful for you? Absolutely. So my first uh, training outside of school was in um, clinical hypnosis. And um, that was really powerful, although I felt like people didn't understand it. Um, you know, really hypnosis just means communication with the unconscious mind, but people sometimes feel like it's something being done to them. And when I had people who were trying to heal from things done to them without their consent, it started getting a little dicey for me. So I, I often relied on that in terms of meditation or helping people to access a state of, of calmness or peacefulness or nervous system, just those beginning levels and layers. But I didn't use it as much for processing or healing the trauma as some people might. Um, then I journeyed into EMDR, um, which is still more traditional training um, in the therapy world, but eye movement uh, desensitization, reprocessing for anybody not familiar, bilateral stimulation, tapping sound. And that was really powerful for many people. But for some people with the more complex layers of trauma, they still, it still kept them somewhat disconnected from their body, I found. So I then moved into some tapping, EFT, like tapping meridian points. I was attuned to Reiki energy. And then I found a holotropic breath work which really was a huge opening for me personally and really helped to get me into my own body. And then I began, I didn't end up completing it because I noticed it was more of an ego desire than a soul desire, but I got halfway through a doctoral program and I was studying ancient forms of spiritual healing. And that really introduced me to like Ayurvedic medicine and the role that nutrition and food can play in our healing and also like shamanism and communication with other realms. And that really woke me up to my own intuition. And 
then I found, I just kind of dropped technique altogether. And my technique was deep listening. And I would just hear where to put hands or where to, you know, interject and where to be quiet and what to say and how to say it and where we might sit in the room together and what questions to ask to help the energy move or find that layer. And that was a really beautiful moment where it was like, I was clinging so tightly to like the thing that helps the healing happen and to come full circle, noticing that, yeah, any and all of those things can be pathways to healing, but none of them are the be all end all for every single person. And if we only ever have anything as helpers and healers, it is to listen to what this moment is asking for and to surrender to the courage to do it, even if it doesn't make sense. Because sometimes I was like, that seems weird right now that this, I don't know, you know, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love all of that. Thank you for your very concise and thorough answer. I was just working with an SE student. We just did a session together and we were, I was mentioning throughout the session, you know, this is what I'm feeling to do. This is what my intuition saying. How is this for you? And we did some hands-on work and she asked me about it later. And I was saying, you know, the more I lean into this work and the more I've, I do SE and, and just really trusting my own intuition has become, it is the thing. Yeah. And I was thinking today, cause we talked about, you know, you work with businesses and we've talked about working together. And I was like, what I have to do this is like, really lean into my intuition more. And it's so lovely to like recognize that. And it's becoming more in layers. This, this really felt since recognition of my own path as a businesswoman and as a healer on the planet. And so I love that you said all that. It feels very personally Mm -hmm. affirming. And I think for a lot of us, it's, it can feel really relieving to think like, oh, that's it. Like, not that that's a small thing, but like, oh, I can really lean back and listen and trust myself. Like what a beautiful message and truth that is for many of us to hear. I remember hearing a saying once, like something to the effect of simplicity is the voice of God. Mm. And whatever you define as God, higher self, divine um, nature, but it really moved me because I feel like we're often looking for something that's so complex. Like we feel like the answer has to be something we've never heard of or seen before. And we create all this complexity. Again, one of the gifts of the mind is just like turning things and turning things. But yeah, it really is just as simple as listening and letting each moment guide the next action takes us far, (laughs) but we often have to heal from a lot of mechanisms before we'll give those permissions or we feel the value of that. Definitely. It's very well said. I just have two follow-up questions for that. One, because I think people are always curious about this. Like, how do you listen to your intuition or how do you hear hear your soul, you know, speaking to you? Are there, you know, for some people, I think it's images or voices or that felt sense. So I'm just curious what your personal experience is. Yeah, it's changed over time. I would say that my most natural clear ability is the way that I see is through sensing and my body really talks a lot. And I've grown into hearing and sometimes seeing things as well now as I've practiced and really cultivated and honing and yeah, mentoring with people who've really just honed the art and the gift of listening in that way. But sensing is really my, it's just 
who I be, how I walk in the world. <laughs> Didn't always know what it was. I mean, when I was younger, being empathic, being intuitive was incredibly uncomfortable. I was constantly nauseous and mm-hmm. just didn't like to be around lots of people or, I mean, it was hard to live in an empathic body without understanding what that was or having any skills to open my field or shield my field or know what was mine and what was somebody else's. So I think a lot of people shut it down and disconnect for that reason, or because it's not respected or honored or listened to in their system, wherever that is, if it's a family or the culture that they're in or their workspace. So I feel like we have a lot working kind of against us with that. So the more of us that wake up and bring it forth, the more accessible I feel like it comes. Like we remember through seeing each other live like that. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I think in our doing so, it's like we consciously and subconsciously give permission, you know, and validation for others to do the same. Absolutely. Yeah. And I relate to you with the sensing. I feel like, yeah, I'm just a big sensor. That you're <laughs> <way too. laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's how I really relate to the world. And I think it always has been, but yeah, there was a distinctive period of time where it was really too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to, it's nice when it's not too much and when it feels good. Yeah. And you can embrace more of the gift part versus yes. the the cursed part or the hard part. It's because it can be both if we don't know how to use it, how to move with it, how to work with it. Yeah, absolutely. And and you had mentioned previously previously that a lot of times we're blocked from that or there's almost like obstacles standing in our way or things standing in our way through culture or learned behavior. Are there any of those, I'm going to call them patterns, like patterns or blocks that you see frequently in the in the people you work with? And I asked this question, not because I want to like, you know, gossip about your clients or any, anything like that, but I feel like there, a lot of us have similar patterns. And so I think it can be helpful for people to hear some of these things and, and to be like, oh yeah, like that's me. That's how I relate. And okay, that's really interesting. This might be a way that I can potentially work with it, or this is a person I should go and work with to help me move through that. Yeah, absolutely. I so get that. And I would say... I keep like sensing my third eye when I, uh, when we're talking about this and I would say the biggest thing that I work with therapists and healers is letting, trusting that what they know is valid, even if it's not being externally validated Mm. or affirmed. It's like, there's a lot of healing or the pattern is if someone else didn't validate it or someone else doesn't see it that way, then I must be wrong. Like making the self wrong and then really doubting, creating a rift with their inner knowing or their intuition. Now, yeah, as we're going through this journey, it's beautiful when we get affirmation and confirmation from each other. I mean, we're not on an island. We're here to connect and relate. And that's lovely. But the truth is most people don't live like this. And if you're relying on someone who isn't clearly seeing for validation of your truth, you're going to feel manipulated out of it or gaslit, confused. And so a lot of this is why I do a lot of this work in community so that we can come back into relationship with people who are playing in a similar vibration and desire to wake up, to remember, to come out of denial so that we can heal from some of those patterns. And also my way of working is very much not like I'm the expert. It's like, I'm sensing this, but I always take it back and show people how to feel 
in their body. And there's plenty of room in my space to say, that's not resonating, Carrie. I don't see it that way. That's not my experience. Perfect. Tell me what yours is, right? Because we don't learn by just being parroted to. And I think that's the other thing I see a lot is, and this is really a a symptom of the same thing I just talked about, but an abandonment of of power, like an outsourcing of power, like relying on somebody else to know the way or easily being seduced by somebody promising a guarantee of some sort, or if you work with me, this will happen. And it's, I used to think that this is how I built my practice. So if I just shared those five steps with people, won't it work for them? No, it doesn't. I mean, I quickly discovered (laughs) that we all have different wounds. We all have different dharmas. We all have different paths. And, you know, it's just not in integrity to assume that we could walk the same steps as somebody else and have the same outcome. In our minds, that makes sense. But in reality, it just doesn't translate. So that's the other thing is a pattern of trying to rinse and repeat something someone else is doing and being really disappointed when it doesn't pan out. And I think we have to do some of that to realize where we're out of attunement with self and how we can come back into relationship with that. But those are a few. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I love your, I love your approach. And I, I definitely want to, I'm going to ask next about the, no, wait, I'm going to, I have a lot I want to ask, but I love that approach of knowing this, this, okay, this is the sequence. If you do this, this is going to help you be successful the way it helps these other 10 people be successful. Because in my experience with business coaching, and I've done quite a bit of business coaching is that it really doesn't work that way. And part of, I think what does work is having a coach, just like having a therapist who like can actually listen and take in, you know, what the individual is saying and to be able to kind of play with it a little bit and mold it and to have a lot of time and space for that. And I think that you're offering something really unique and really needed. Mm-hmm. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for feeling and seeing that. It's really important to me that my work be honest and in integrity. And I don't think most people are trying to be disingenuous. I think they really think this works. And I think for some people it does, but I noticed for highly sensitive beings and for helpers and healers, like we really need to do it our way. And there is a way that our soul is meant to do it. And I find there's nothing that evolves us more on our like self-development than entrepreneurship. It's vulnerable. It makes us ask hard questions and it stretches our feeling of worth and value. And it just touches all the spots. So it's prime real estate for doing our work. And so I'm often known as the therapist for the therapist or the healer's business, because while I'm not your therapist per se, the work is incredibly therapeutic because it is pointing you back to yourself and to anything in any time, space, dimension, or reality that may have taken you out of alignment with what's true for you so that you can come back into that place and move from there. And also, if you don't have the proper energy that fuel your actions, they really fall flat. So it's not that being present on social media is a bad strategy. It's just not the true strategy in a moment where that's not really inspired or what your business is asking for from you. Mm, So that's why I would never say that's my recommendation for everyone because until I know you and feel your energy, I really can't speak to 
what your unique pathway may want to be. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah. Yes. And I agree with you. Entrepreneurship is such a road to like deep shamanic personal development has been my experience. We're really like going through layers and kind of walking through the shadow, which is the question I'd like to ask you next. Cause you said that's people call you the shadow mama. Can you talk a little bit about shadow work and yeah, just how that ties in with everything and what that means to you? Absolutely. So partly I'm called the shadow mama because in my own awakening, one of the downloads that I got was to birth a deck of Oracle cards called messages from shadow. And I was going to different resources, looking for answers that felt so not available And I wasn't finding them. Like all the angel cards were telling me, you're right on track. You're doing great. And I'm like, well, then why do I feel like absolute shit and nothing's (laughs) working and my life's falling apart and my business and I don't know who I am anymore. Like, thank you, but this isn't helpful. And there is higher level truth in that. Like, yeah, we're always on track and yeah, everything is going to work out. But between like this moment and that one, like, what do we do there? And So to me, shadow work, which is very misunderstood, is really just finding that which is hidden and bringing it to light. And we think that shadow work is only about finding the hard stuff or the bad stuff or the negative stuff. It's not. It's often what's hidden in the dark is our light, is our gifts, because we may have shined bright at a time where that wasn't welcome or the person wasn't available to receive that. And so we said, ooh, that part of me is not welcome. I'm just tuck her in here. And that's very necessary when we're going to market ourselves, when we're going to share ourselves with the world, because I call it your energetic open for business sign, Hmm. right? You can say you're open for business. You can have all the structures in place and you can be doing all of the things. But if the phone's not ringing or the people aren't coming, you've got an energetic business sign that's closed. Your business is like, please don't see me. I don't like to be seen. I'm really scared. I don't know if you're going to be nice. I don't know if I'm going to be safe. Yeah. So that's shadow work. It's finding all of those nooks and crannies so that your, you know, the stuff that has contracted you and the stuff that's meant to expand you is able to come into the light and be fully expressed. Yeah, I, I love that take on it too, where it's not just about digging around in the darkness and it's all these things that are buried away that are bad or there's some negative connotation associated with them. And it's, I was saying this to another client I was working with today who was talking about how she had recently done a, like a shamanic soul retrieval practice. And we were talking about kind of retrieving different parts that I've been reading more about IFS lately and parts work. And I love how there's from different cultures and different practices, there's so there are such similarities in this idea of like these different aspects of ourselves that might be in deeper than some of the others, but getting to know them and like befriending them or listening or being available for the light to shine on all of the parts or all of the the shadow aspects and to see what is truly in there that wants to be called forward. I just love that it's if to me, it feels really affirming that I'm having this conversation multiple times today. There's never any mistake about that, right? It's like here, right here, look over here. And it just keeps repeating. Yeah, I didn't name IFS as a part of my journey, but it absolutely was. And I, I found it such a natural way. Of, like that. we already talk like that. Like a part of me was so pissed, but another part of me like felt relieved and was so grateful. And, you know, it, it's 
yeah, we're not just who we see ourselves as right this moment. Like everything that came before is here too. And everything that's on the way is here too. And so we can do the that work of parts very literally, like my three-year-old self, but we can also do it very esoterically, like the future version of me and like, what is their direction and what is their wisdom for me? I mean, there's so many ways to play with something like that. I, I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. I really love how open it feels open and also very grounded. Like it feels very rooted in like sacred and ancient like belief systems in humanity. Absolutely. And that's one of my challenges with some of these practices being called new age. It's like mm-hmm. nothing yeah. new about that, honey. That's been around. <laughs> that's, that's indigenous work. That's the original healing modalities that were colonized. And now we're, they think they're coming. They're yeah. new, but they've yeah. been around. Exactly. Yeah. With Ch- I studied Chinese medicine years ago. And yeah, people are like, well, acupuncture, I don't know. I'm like, it's thousands of years <laughs> old. Like, It's not, there's nothing new about it. I mean, it's such an ancient system of medicine and healing, you know? So, yeah. But it's not the one we know about, right? In the Western world. It's, right. it's so, it feels new or strange or like, it's not how our pediatrician treated us. So we haven't been programmed to accept or imagine that something like that could be helpful. And I really think we're being called to that now, all of us to really open our minds, our hearts, and get curious about if what we've been believing is actually true, or if there's something truer. Because I think truth really correlates with wellness and wholeness and health. And any place that's out of alignment with that is just going to like corrode and continue to try to show us to get our attention. Yes. Yeah. And I think when we're living, I mean, I'm just going to say the same thing you did in a different way when we're living in alignment with what feels true for us. And I mean, even being able to know what that is and what that feels like is such a huge step for for so many of us, you know, of what is my truth? How does that feel when I live in my truth? You know, how does it feel when I walk out of my house? And it's like, but all the time that we're not doing that, I feel like on some level, we know that it's not quite right. And that's when I think there probably is more room for inflammation or disorders or, you know, dis-ease within the system. Um, Absolutely. And uh, just to bring back the parts work piece, it's also knowing which part of us is truth it is. Because sometimes we can be living from a little T truth, maybe a part of us that feels afraid or feels like being visible or taking a step that's actually really true and aligned in our adult self could feel really threatening to a younger self. So to supervise and to be in self-leadership at that level is really so important to me and in the work that I do, because a lot of times we think we're listening or we think we're living according to truth, but truth doesn't always feel good. At first, it can feel absolutely terrifying. And what feels safe and what is safe are often two different things, because what feels safe to our little self and what is actually safe now in another time and space can be two different things. So it's a very delicate process. And that's why I also, the work that I do takes a long time. And I tell people upfront that I do believe in miracles, change and transformation can be instantaneous. And more often it takes time and devotion. And the reason is because our nervous system is so tender and so precious and is often so damaged and so dysfunctional, just uncalibrated, right? And so it needs to be recalibrated and we have to go slow in order to create that range. Otherwise we just collapse ourselves and then we have a lot of cleanup to do. It's possible, we're resilient, all of that. But if we just 
move at the pace of our nervous system and what's actually available, I think it can be a lot more graceful and easy because it's it's hard enough. We don't need to add to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wonderful points. I love all of all of that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and moving slow, it just feels like for me that feels so good on such a deep level. Like it just feels like that is what my soul is calling out for. And I think you know, I was someone like many of us who moved fast for a really, really long time you know, through higher education and just life. And it feels so lovely to recognize how healing, beneficial and necessary Mm -hmm. the slowness is. Um, Yeah. And I love the distinction you made too about the parts and that truth is, truth can be tricky to feel. I think that was very well said and just something that we can all keep in mind. You know, we can all know about ourselves and seek out good practitioners who can help us feel safe to maybe dig around a little bit and trust these different parts and take care of all of ourselves. Absolutely. And being in communities and that are nourishing. Yes. I think, you know, a lot of times people find my community and I get the feedback that like where they came from was was rough around the edges, was more like boot camp or ninja skills to get somewhere. And uh, my spaces don't run like that. I, I do have a solid masculine energy and we can be precise and we get things done, but that's always served by the energy of truth first. And it's different. So I always invite people like find communities and practitioners and spaces that that are in service to who you're becoming and that feel nourishing to be a part of. Because that's how our intuition is cultivated as well. Very slow. And intuitive messages, the ego is very quick, urgent, fast, right? Intuition is usually slow and steady. Like she's not in a rush. It doesn't need to be. And that's often how I teach at like the base level, how we begin to differentiate. Is this my fear speaking or is this my intuition or soul? Is is it urgent or is it, is it slow, relaxed, you know? Yeah. Good advice. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the, I mean, you, you've mentioned your community and I know part of your work is with the abundance activator. Can you tell us a little bit about that program and yeah. Yeah, the Abundance Activator is my membership community. It's the spot where I hang out with the healers all year long. And it's just an ongoing experience that therapists and coaches and healers step into to deepen their relationship with receiving. And that's receiving, I I say, I think on the website, it says aligned clarity, clients, and cash. And that came through to me in a meditation because I was worried that the title abundance activator would be, people would think it's just about money. Mm -hmm. And one that's really threatening, I think, for a lot of healers because they don't want to be greedy or they don't want it to just be about the money or, and some are also very desperate for the money because we have bills to pay. And so there's a lot there, but it's about so much more than that. It's about how we, how receptive we are to life, how available we are. Are we open and soft enough to let life in? And I, yeah, we do breath work and energetic practices and, you know, I do uh, energetic adjustments and coaching and intuitive mentorship in there. And it's just the, the place where all the work happens. There's only so much of me to go around. And one of my nervous system practices is to not work that much. So I typically work about 15 hours a week. Um, 
I prefer 10, but, and sometimes 20, just depending, but I don't work a lot. And that's in service to the quality of work that I'm then able to offer. But because of that, I needed something that was scalable that could continue to help more and more and more healers. And my individual work just isn't able to do that in the same way. I also think I don't have, I I believe we have soul agreements to work with the people that we serve. And my sense is that my soul agreements are with larger group of people than just people I could serve one-on-one. I do do one-on-one work, but I also feel like people that move the most efficiently and gracefully through the process tend to do both some community work with me and some individual. And I think that's because there's a place for both, but nothing more powerful than like seeing what's possible through the remembrance of being together with one another, remembering when we're in a good spot that it may be hard again, remembering when we're in a hard spot that it gets good again. You know, after every contraction is an expansion and every expansion is a contraction coming. So it's just how do we hold the tension of those ebbs and flows? And I think that's really the sentiment of the space. I love it. And, and community is so important. And, you know, for many people new on this journey or, or in the thick of it, that can be a piece that's really missing is that supportive community. Yeah. So yeah. it's a great offering. And we'll put, I'll make sure we have all of your links in the bottom of the, the podcast, the show notes for the abundance activator for your website. And uh, one last question I like to ask all of my guests is the tagline of this podcast is come home to your body. And, you know, we've spoken about this already at length, but I always just like to ask people, what does that mean for you? Mm. How does that feel for you? I noticed myself take a deep breath when I heard it. And I feel like that is what I feel called to say. Like what it means to me is slowing down and coming back to my breath and noticing the quality of my breath. I notice sometimes it's very shallow and like I'm not letting life in. Maybe I'm not letting go all the way on the exhale. So for me, coming home to my body starts with just slowing down and presencing my breath and being honest with myself about the quality of it and also remembering that it's just a moment in time and it could change (laughs) the next breath. It's like all (laughs) temporary. It changes constantly. (laughs) Not making myself wrong, I think is what I'm saying in that. You know, it's so easy to, oh my gosh, I'm not breathing well right now. And it's like, yeah, exactly right now. But that can change. Yeah. You'll have lots more opportunities to keep breathing today. Breathe again. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Carrie. It was lovely to to talk with you. Yeah. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me and for this work and the work that you do in the world. I felt a lot of resonance um, with our conversation. It was so easy. Yeah, definitely. And thank you to all of the listeners. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and hit like, or please subscribe and please tell a friend if you enjoyed it, we'll continue to bring you wonderful information from experts and I encourage you to ask yourself the question, what does it mean for me to come home to my body and to ask it without really needing to answer it, just to feel it (laughs) as best you can. And thank you everyone for listening and for being a part of my community.